already know I wanna be free. wanna be free I wanna be free. wanna be free Welcome to Liberty Chats, produced by members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council. Thank you for joining us. We talk to a variety of experts, leaders, journalists, and policymakers about our nation's founding principles, why they are still so relevant and essential to preserving freedom for everyone, what specific challenges and threats they face today, and how those founding principles best safeguard and empower everyone's ability, young and old, to attain prosperity and personal happiness. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Liberty Chats, a podcast from Steamboat Institute. My name is Carl Honiger, and I am a member of the Emerging Leaders Council, a leadership program out of the Institute. My guest today is Mark Morano, the founder of Climate Depot. He also has written the book, Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Worse Than You Think, and The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. We're excited to have you speak at the Freedom Conference later on this month in August. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. I'm happy to be here today. So one of the things that I really appreciate you're speaking on recently is how we've endured a year of lockdowns. And during that time period, there were here and there some suggestions on how lockdowns were good for the climate. I'm looking at Denver, where I live. There was a the Colorado Health Institute put out a study saying the lockdown during the pandemic created an unintentional experiment in cleaning Denver's air. And so you are now sounding the warning that these virus lockdowns are going to lead to climate lockdowns. Could you explain more of what you're seeing um, in the news? Yeah, well, first of all, in my book, Green Fraud, I devote almost two chapters to this very issue, the COVID climate connection. And what happened originally, just a little history, is when COVID-19 lockdowns happened, first of all, we were like lemmings falling off a cliff just following China. In other words, Bill Gates, biggest donor to the single biggest donor to the World Health Organization, trumpeted China's policy, unprecedented policy of locking people down, essentially locking the healthy down and quarantining everyone and shutting society. What happened was environmental activists were jealous. They were drooling. Everyone <laughs> from Greta Thunberg to John Kerry to UN officials, UN climate chief, Al Gore, all saying, if we can do that for a virus, why can't we do that for climate? Yeah. And so what happened was they started praising the lockdowns. And we have all the quotes, John Kerry, the parallels are screaming at us. Jane Fonda saying that lockdowns are a gift from God for the left. <laughs> uh, and so this is what happened. So they loved the idea. In fact, in 2013, the former UN climate chief actually said the only way we could meet the UN Paris climate goal was to lock down the entire economy. Guess what? We did that. We had, this, I think, about a 7% global emission drop. And then it turned out we needed to do it for, I can't remember how many more years uh, to actually achieve the goals. But you see what they were wanting. The lockdowns are the model for what climate activists have been seeking for decades. I've been to the UN summits. They call for economic degrowth, planned recessions in order to fight global warming. But more wow. importantly, since these lockdowns, we have Australian academics calling to add climate change 
to death certificates and Bill Gates saying the death toll from climate change will far exceed that of any virus. They want to have it. And if you have a cancer, die in a car accident, have organ failure, you could literally have climate change listed as a cause of death because there are now studies showing that fatal car accidents have gone up due to climate change. There are studies showing that cancer has gone up due to climate change. And there are studies, Al Gore tells <laughs> a doctor saying that every organ in your body. So that's one of the things. The other thing real quickly is they're talking about flying only when it's absolutely necessary, banning pickup trucks, banning the sale of individual vehicles, limiting our travel options, making travel so expensive that only the rich, remember 100 years ago, only the wealthy could afford yeah. a seaside vacation. That's where we're headed. And so the International Energy Agency, UK Energy Reports, academic reports, all coming out, essentially calling for climate, a version of climate lockdowns. Then you have Biden being urged to declare a national climate emergency, which would give him emergency powers, much like we've seen with governors in Cuomo and Michigan, where they can invoke emergency powers and bypass the legislators. So we're in for it. We are ruled by unelected bureaucrats, both on COVID and climate now. Yeah. That talk and discussion about the governors, I think, is where um, this infrastructure bill on your website, Climate Depot, talks a little bit about how this infrastructure bill kind of puts those mandates onto to local states. Um, do you have any idea of, because it probably will get signed into law, Yes. Um, what does that look like? How are they kind of passing the buck to the states? Well, what they're doing is they don't want an up or down vote on the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal politically was a embarrassment and a disaster. You know, the, the, you know Ocasio-Cortez, freshman congressman and former bartender. Uh, you had Senator Markey. They introduced it 2019, talked about farting cows, tearing down buildings, equity, white supremacy. I mean, it just went the whole gamut of just it was nonsense. They had to pull documents. They weren't ready for prime time. Yeah. So the Biden administration in writing his platform before he was elected, was overtaken by Green New Deal activists, by the Sunshine Movement, by AOC, by Bernie Sanders. So they want the Green New Deal, but they don't want to do it head on. So what they've done, the Biden administration has announced that every cabinet is a climate agency. And that includes Department of Defense, climate's an existential threat. Actually, their climate policy is an existential national security threat. <laughs> you, have, you have the Interior Department, you have the, the Treasury Department now going to be having banks essentially defunding energy projects. You'll get a score, a lower score if you fund an energy projects. So all of that's happening. Then wow. you have the executive orders, canceling pipelines, trying to stop drilling, undoing America's domestic energy, all at the same time. Uh, what the Biden administration is doing is they're shutting down American energy, but they don't want the public to have an up or down vote on this. So they are implementing the Green New Deal through executive order, through every cabinet agency, and most importantly, through uh, the cl Civilian Climate Corps and also this infrastructure bill. Now, the infrastructure bill is going to essentially be pushing off all these mandates to the states to start implementing it. But essentially, we're getting the Green New Deal in America through this insane infrastructure bill that's only 5 to 10% actual infrastructure, roads and highways. And we're getting it through the executive orders. We're getting it through every cabinet agency. And it's going to be very hard for a future deregulatory president to come undo. So America is in bad shape right now. We are at the clutches of progressives. Okay. Because it's that um, phrase, you can swallow an elephant one bite at a time. Yes. If I'm paraphrasing <laughs> it right. And so really what you're saying is – 
Biden may not have campaigned on the whole elephant, the Green New Deal, but he's totally willing to allow individuals working towards their own goals to implement this one piece at a time. Yes. And that's what it, that's exactly what's happening. They don't want an up or down vote. They don't want congressional hearings. They don't want to hear from constituents. They don't want you know public debate. There's no reason to. They know now from the, the lesson of COVID is that you can do all of this behind the scenes. You don't need people to vote on it. How many lockdowns would we have had if the public could have voted on them? That's a great question. In other words, the people making the decisions for lockdowns on COVID were never affected. Every public health director, every governor, all their staff, all the media cheering on the endless lockdowns and mandates, they didn't lose their job. It was all the, I'll use the words of CNN who recently said, Actually, it was a New York Times reporter on CNN who said Obama's 60th birthday party was okay because they were, quote, sophisticated and vaccinated crowd. Well, the unsophisticated and or unvaccinated uh, (laughs) don't get that kind of benefit. So that's the question. So that's what's happening. So they know that model. And so what Chuck Schumer is urging Biden to do is declare that national climate emergency, and then they're going to have executive powers. In other words, if they can declare public health threat of misinformation and shut down free speech. Governor Cuomo in New York, before he was forced to resign, had declared gun violence a public health threat and started you know, going after gun control laws without help of the legislator. You can go after vehicles, home energy, ex- energy exploration, airline travel, all because it's considered a public health threat. Because if climate change kills more people than a virus, my gosh, we should have climate lockdowns. They've got it. They've got the model. And we're sitting back like unwitting dupes, not aware of what's happening. And frankly, our Republican leadership is failing us in Washington hugely. You know, people like Kevin McCarthy, minority leader, are okay. s- s- seeding the entire climate debate and not and just talking about you know smaller solutions in the Green New Deal, less ambitious solutions. I see. And so one of those things that I've seen here in Colorado through regulation of oil and gas, and then basically trying to shut down and prevent future development um, is a discussion about air quality, because it's really easy to tie that to a local health department. So like my local health department tried to shut down oil and gas operations saying that um, it was a threat because COVID was happening and COVID affects the lungs. And so do you think that, um, do you think that that's one approach they're going to focus on is this like, air quality because it's hard for people to understand. It's hard for people to understand, yes. I have a whole section in my book about this air quality. Actually, I quote mainstream left-wing journalists. And here's the gist. Since 1970, America has radically cleaned up our air and water. At the same time, we've radically increased our population and economic growth, um, and all through chiefly technological innovation. And even the political, uh, you know, liberal left mainstream media admit that the problem of air pollution, even water pollution, have largely been solved. There's a few pockets here and there and a few sure. areas that aren't in attainment that need to be worked on. But in terms of general wide policy, what they're doing now, they're going after just, you know, parts per million. They're, they're trying to crush more and more industry using these justifications when 
the reality is, and I, I quote a, a statistician, Ross McKittrick, in the book. He tried to look at all these. You know, if you if you allow this, if we don't, you know, increase these air pollution guidelines, X amount of people will die. Well, he did an analysis and found that there were more people dying uh, allegedly of this air pollution than there were people. And I have some of the stats on that. <laughs> they just come up with these computer model generated scenarios when the reality is we have one of the, the cleanest, freshest air in, in the world. And I include even a chart, uh, or at least a Climate Depot, I think of an updated chart showing how okay. America is one of the leaders on that. So what they try to do is conflate that climate issue, which they say is CO2 causing dangerous warming and then glacier melt and killing polar bears, et cetera, with yep. the idea that fossil fuels are killing us through pollution. And if you did accept that fossil fuel pollution, so to speak, an actual pollution were killing you, you would also have to look at both sides. For instance, they claim that heat waves are killing more people and that more are going to die. Well, that may or may not be true, but they also hidden in the data they don't mention is that global warming, a warming of the earth is actually suppressing cold temperatures in the winter, which actually is saving uh, many factors higher. Uh, it's a plus positive of at least 100, I think 150,000 deaths in America. In other words, by, by making the winters less cold, cold yeah. kills a lot more than, than others. So it's a plus minus. If you look at fossil fuels, they've been one of the greatest liberators of man in the history of our planet, one of the greatest health benefits, regardless of you know people arguing over parts per million air pollutants in, in the atmosphere or tailpipe emissions. The bottom line is we have got the longer life expectancy, lower infant mortality, better health care, healthier, more vital people, all because of fossil fuels. So if you're going to say fossil fuels are killing people, you got to look at both sides of the balance sheet there. And that's I point that out in my book, Green Fraud, as well. It's it's what's called the one sided accounting, which they try to do. The U.N. Oh, does okay. it. Green yeah. New Deal advocates do it. They act as though there's only only a negative. You're only looking at withdrawals from your bank account, never the positives. And if you look at it from the whole picture, Climate deaths have quite literally dropped 95 to 99 percent over the last hundred years. Climate-related deaths, in other words, from extreme weather, from you know, we've taken a dangerous climate and made it safe with fossil fuels. So fossil fuels are way ahead in any calculation that you do. And what they're doing now, though, is you're absolutely right. They're trying to just chase the very margins of these clean air scares. And trying to blame asthma on uh, all sorts of things that uh, and, and studies are coming out. People like Steve Malloy at JunkScience.com uh, actually is a statistician and has done a whole book just on that okay. particular facet. Yeah. So it, it's an it's an amazing thing to look at. Um, one of the things we like to talk about here at the Steamboat Institute and the Liberty Chats podcast is the free market. And so, would you say that change and from the 1960s, 70s, and 80s to the air quality we have today and the technology that oil and gas brings us to live our lives, did that come from the free market or did that come from more Good government question. regulation? Good question. And I've, I've actually given this a lot of thought and doing my research. I don't think anyone has to be a purist on this. I think the change early on, the first Earth Day, 1970, included a lot of wacky stuff. You had Paul Ehrlich overpopulation. You had the global cooling. But one of the positive things of that first Earth Day, and if you remember, even the Brady Bunch did a song about the air pollution in the trees and the earth. It was the early 1970s. <laughs> was making people aware of the smog in the cities and the, and the filthy rivers and all that in the major areas. So the awareness created government, you know, basically threatening industry. So I think early on and to a limited degree, 
getting industry to be aware that a government's going to come after you and b the public is now aware and you're being publicly shamed and they started sure. cleaning up their act. And it also led, excuse me, it also led to a huge influx of technological innovation because that you know all businesses want to solve stuff in the most efficient way. Well, the best way to do it is technology. And if you go forward, I don't think it was the regulations that did this. It wasn't every, you know, even in Republican administrations, usually the EPA director is the most liberal member of any Republican administration because Republicans don't want to deal sure. with environmental <laughs> issues. They just want to appoint some liberal and let them have a field day. And that's what, typically what they've done. And that included sure. Nixon, Ford, less so Reagan, at least his first term he had, and Gorsuch, the mother of uh, uh, Justice Gorsuch, uh, uh, Justice, I'm sorry, the Supreme Court Justice. And, yeah. you know, George H.W. Bush had Christy Todd Whitman, which was a disaster, and George W. Bush. And, that, you know, so these are, this was a, a throwaway job. But the key was they used technology, technology in awareness. And I think that's where we are. And they just, they've solved that problem. And so I always joke, if you're applying the same standard to climate, it would not be in 1970, they didn't, they didn't say, let's go to Marxism and let's shut down the world and let's put yeah. bureaucrats in charge of every aspect of industry so we can get rid of this pollution. No, they put in some guidelines. The EPA was just created and was very weak compared to today. Problem is, once you create something like that, it's a monster that's going to grow. And I'll never trust, I don't even want to hear another Republican candidate say, I'm going to abolish the EPA or Department of Education. You know what? Go tell it to someone else because it's never going to happen. Not in our lifetime, not in Washington, not unless there's some kind of collapse or revolution. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm getting worked up here about this. But this is what we're facing um, with the climate. If we actually faced a climate catastrophe, the last thing you'd want to do is a Green New Deal or a UN Paris Agreement where you would enable top down government control, regulations on every aspect of your life, stay at home orders, limits on travel, control your thermostat, regulating your diet, regulating uh, you know, whether you can, how, how much movement you can have. So instead, you would want the exact technological innovation. You would want free markets. You would want technological breakthroughs in solar and when the day people can go to Walmart and buy a solar panel and get off the grid is the day you never have to worry about anyone claiming that CO2 is killing the earth because that's the simplest way out. You would do the exact opposite of everything they proposed because we know that if we follow what they proposed, the Green New Deal, UN Paris, John Kerry and even Joe Biden have admitted it would not even affect global CO2 emissions, let alone the climate. So it's all virtue signaling in the end. And that's what's scary about this. But the problem, as you mentioned, though, just back to the air, air quality, this stuff happens behind the scenes. It's very confusing, uh, arcane jargon that people can't follow, and they think it's all in public health. Just let me back up. The greatest discovery for tyranny in the last year and a half has been public health, using that as a justification True. for anything. We now know yeah. that climate change is public health. We now know that gun violence. We now know that misinformation. We now know that they can now own and control us. And it all comes down to what Rand Paul said recently. This isn't about we got to elect a new school board and get we got to we got to vote in new Republicans. We need a new Tea Party. We gotta, no, I'm sorry. We've done that. We had a Tea Party. A, Give it up. I've given up. Unless we have a multi-party system, I'm, I'm done with yeah. the two-party system. Our only hope is what Rand Paul said, and that is absolute defiance, individual level. I'm advocating. I live in Virginia. I'm advocating the parents I know to show up the first day of school with their kid unmasked, in mask, unmasked and in mask 
to just yeah. tell them we are not doing it and we're not following it because not a single principal or school board is going to have the courage to go against CDC guidance because you're killing grandma if you do. And this is where they got us. They got us under this public health bureaucracy. It is just the most devastating weapon that they've ever had, and they're never going to get it up. The only hope is mass defiance. They can't arrest us all. I use the analogy of the Berlin Wall didn't come down because the East German parliament decided, you know, oh, we're going to free the yeah. people of East Germany after this many years. No, the people no longer gave their consent to live in tyranny. So the day that no one follows the social distancing, no one allows a lockdown again, no one allows mask mandates, especially masking their kids. That's the day this tyranny ends. Otherwise, just keep on enjoying it. They they own us and they're going to keep on doing it. Well, thank I'm not you, optimistic. <laughs> Sorry. Really looking forward to having you at the Freedom Conference. Um, this is just a taste of um, the passion you'll bring. And so this has been another episode of Liberty Chats. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's Liberty Chat. I'm Erica Anderson, the producer of the podcast. Our podcast editor is Fingers Malloy. My co-producers include Charlotte Whalen, Zachary Rogers, Lindsay Martin, and Christina Eastman, all members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council, who represent the next generation of free market, free speech leadership. We hope you tune in again for our next Liberty Chat episode. Thanks, girl, you already know I wanna be free. I wanna be free I wanna be free. wanna be free yeah.